Hey guys, before this episode starts, just want to let you know there may be a couple spots in the episode where the audio sounds a little different. We did have some audio difficulties with this recording, and I had to go back and re-record certain parts and kind of plug them into the missed spots. So if it sounds a little funny, it's our fault. Sorry about that, but I wanted you guys to be able to hear the whole story. So here you go. Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language and is intended for immature adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This isn't anything funny or nothing like that, but the other day I was um, wearing my work hat, which is my OIF hat because it's I get it sweaty all the time. It's a hat I don't mind sweating in, you know? Mm-hmm. And I stopped at Walmart to get some groceries and whatnot, and it was really cool because I saw this old man, and uh, he had a little veteran hat on, and it was World War II. And he was sitting in front of like a... He's got to be really old. He was very, very old. And uh, he, he was sitting down at the st- on the stool like next to um, oh where um, the barber shop used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that little metal bench. And I walked by. He, he looked at me. And I looked at him. And we both nodded to each other. We always do. Like if it's me and like a Vietnam vet or something like that. If we, always, we always just nod to each other, you know. And it's sometimes like unspoken thing. You know, kind of like how... You're driving on a highway and you're riding a motorcycle and you see somebody coming and posing. You always put your hand down to wave. It's just an unwritten thing. You just do it, you know. And um, this was like one of the coolest moments of my life. And I can't believe I waited. I didn't tell you. But um, yeah, so walked by. We both nodded at each other. And then we both winked and shot each other the finger guns. And I walked <laughs> away and I felt like really wholesome. <laughs> That me and a World War II veteran, like... It surpassed generations and wars. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, we, we nodded and just went, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and he just crossed his leg and just watched, waited for his wife and I walked to the car. <laughs> and I got to the car and I was like, you know what? That was fucking cool. Yeah. I don't know if that'll ever happen again, but that was really cool that we both decided to wink and give each other the finger guns. He's probably the last guy ever alive from World War II. Yeah. He's really freaking old. He was really old. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. It was really neat. I was like, one of those things where I just sat down in the car. I was like, you know what? Everything's right with the world right now. Like, everything, everything is going to work out. So, it was pretty neat. Good. All right, guys, welcome to Martinis and the Macabre, the podcast where we drunkenly discuss morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem. My name's Erica, and I'll be your host this evening, and I'm joined by my husband and veteran, Billy. Yeah, that's okay. Hi. <laughs> I'm wearing my other hat now. It says low life. I'm a low life. Mm-hmm. Got it from uh, Red Devil Clothing. You dot- can sponsor us if you want. Well, dot com. Now you can sponsor us if you want. <laughs> Enter the promo code Billy and Erica and watch nothing fucking happen yeah, when you check out. Yeah, nothing will happen. Maybe you should reach out to them. You know what I've noticed with a lot of places I shop online, and I do a lot of shopping online as opposed to going to stores, mm-hmm. is they don't 
like, how do I put it? Like, if you have a promo code and you click on the promo code, like, uh, you know, uh, enter your email address and we'll give you a promo code for like 10% off. They never add it to your cart. You know, like you have to, you have to, you have to like remember that code. So when you check out, the code's not there. You, it should be there. If you put in your email address or whatever for their newsletter or whatever, that, you know, I signed up 20 should go to your checkout. It should, that should be added to your cart. Because it's really hard to remember when you're drunk buying like Billy does. Well, no, it's, they don't want to give you the discount <laughs> and then it's too late. When you hit pay and you put your card information in and you just realize you pay full price and you're like, wait, no, now. You sons of bitches. And you have to go up to order summary. And it's a it's one that drops down. You, you know, the ones that drop down for payment and they drop down for, it's like tabs that drop down for address and all that stuff. Yeah. And it was, I saw it was like order summary and the motherfucker was blank. It's an inner promo code. It's like, you salty bitch. Why didn't you put my promo code there? To make money. They did. <laughs> Good job, dickwads. <laughs> All right, guys. So we're uh, recording a little late this week. We've had a lot going on. So to all of our Patreon listeners, really sorry. Usually we try and have these out on the Sunday before they're due. Um, hopefully... Tomorrow is Wednesday, and I'll have it out one day early, so please forgive us for our transgressions here. But uh, this week, I've got a case that is reminiscent of the Hinter-Kafak murders. Oh, great. That means somebody died. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is Nine times out of ten on this show, someone dies. Bummer. Uh, We covered the Hinter-Kafak murders last season in episode 50, on the episode called Squatters, Incest, and Octopus. So if you haven't listened to that one, go check it out when this one is done. The main difference between the two, for those of you that have already listened, is this one was officially quote-unquote solved, and there was a conviction. But was the convicted actually the murderer? Dun-dun-dun! Maybe. Or maybe not. (gasps) 50-50. And there is a really great telling of the story on YouTube by Kaylee Elise in her Dark Matter series. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with her, it's C-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H and Elise is L-E-I-S-E, um, which I was already familiar with a lot of the stuff she's done. Just familiar with fucking everything. <laughs> I can't get one by you. Um, I'm was... going to have to go out and fucking murder somebody. I'm like, did you hear about the person that had their chest eaten open? Like, Go to Murderpedia and click on 99% of the people I've not heard of, hun. And you're going to name some person that lives in Delaware. And I'll be like, no, me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I actually was already typing up the outline for this episode and just kind of on a whim searched the topic on YouTube and found it. So if you search the Wolf Family Mystery slash Dark Matters number seven, you should be able to find it on YouTube. It goes a little more in depth into some possible reasons why this could be a wrongful conviction. And there's pictures still go along with it, so I highly recommend it. She highly recommends it because there's horrible fucking pictures. No. Oh, okay. No, there's there's no pictures of any of the dead people in the story. Oh, all right. No, just crime scene photos of the actual scene. Oh. But, uh... Well, it wouldn't be a crime scene unless there was a dead person there. Yeah, but you don't see any of the dead people. Oh, uh, is there a guy named Steve? Maybe. Holding up a black square in front of the camera. Don't look here. He's like he's like the original censor. 
<laughs> no. He's the Afraid first not. guy to actually draw pixelation on paper. And they were like, Steve, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? He was like, you'll see. <laughs> or you won't. I'm way ahead of my time, like a hundred years. <laughs> All right. So let's delve into it. On Saturday, April 24th, 1920, about three miles north of Turtle Lake, North Dakota. The Wolf Farm near Turtle Lake. Yes. Wow. Farmer John Kraft noticed something strange. On the nearby Wolf family farm, three horses were grazing near a fence, still saddled, and clothing that had been hung on the clotheslines the day before had been left up all night in the rain. So John and his wife head over to the neighbor's farm to check on them. There was a party going on. Yes, a wild, raving party. Just... Yeah. And it was just a person holding their hand in front of a candle. And they're like, what are you doing, guy? And he's like, I call it you strobe. Yeah, and he's just waving it in front of the candle. Yep. They're like, that guy's, that, that guy's, that guy's odd, Margaret. And you solved and, and it, Margaret, really? Margaret's like, he is odd. I have tuberculosis. That's pretty much how it went, right? Sure. Damn, I'm yeah. good. You you solved it right away. There wasn't any murder. That was the mystery. It was a party. Oh, shit. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> no, actually, there were a lot of dead people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once they got to the farm, they could hear a baby crying in the home as they approached. But when they knocked and called out, no one responded. That's how horror movies start. Pretty much. They could hear the pigs rooting around in the barn and decided to take a look. They found the pigs eating the face of the man of the property, Jacob Wolf. That's really how horror movies start. Alongside him were two of his daughters. It's not getting better. They were all partially covered with dirt and hay and appeared to have been shot. John and his wife immediately ran to the house to check on the rest of the family. The two entered the wolf's kitchen and were disturbed to find a large pool of blood on the kitchen floor, seeping down between the sides of the cellar door and the floorboards. When they opened the hatch and looked down, they were met with another grisly sight. It was a dance party. No, 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 it was was dead people. There were five. It was a dead dance party. I don't even know what the fuck that means. I'm going to stand by it. Okay. There were five bodies lying on the cellar floor. Fuck's sakes, how many people live there? A lot. Fuck, at least five. It was 1920. They had a lot of kids back then. Yeah, you know why? No YouTube. No Facebook. No prophylactics. It, no, you, you, you couldn't find anything to do. There was no protection. And fucking feels great. <laughs> they didn't even try the pull-out method. That's the one thing you could, guys, that's the one thing you could always do. Hey, they turn off your cable? Go fuck. They, they turn off your power? Hey, you know what? You're fucking by candlelight. You could always just have sex, and it's free. And you can just go, you and your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you can just go do that. For some people, it's not free. Well, some people have to pay. Some people do. Some people take themselves on J-dates. I get that. J-dates? That jerk off, honey. Didn't know that was called such a thing. You take yourself on a J-date when they turn off Netflix. Hmm. No, Netflix. I'm not still there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah. They look down. There's five bodies laying down there. It appeared to be the matron of the family, Beata, three of her daughters, and a young boy the family hired to help around the farm. 
The only living soul in the house was eight-month-old Emma crying in her crib in the other room. The crafts tried to call the police from the wolf's landline, but the line was dead. So they broke out their iPhones. Yep. And had a dance party. Am I really just going full force into this joke or what? Somebody scream! Woo! Don't spill my drink. <laughs> All right. Don't you do it. So, yeah. They... You, know, you keep saying party. I just follow up what you say. If you don't want to keep doing the party bit, shut the fuck up about the party bit. Or... It's so fun. I like this. this yeah. Is it's the same song every time. Be sure to caption this or, or, you know, like, you know, record this in some way and make this your ringtone. <laughs> So yeah, they couldn't call the authorities from that house, so they bundled up baby Emma and ran back to their own farm to call the authorities. So here's a little bit of information on the Wolf family. Jacob and Beata Wolf were immigrants from Russia who happened to cross each other in North Dakota Duh. here in the U.S. That's like one of the only Russian words I know. <laughs> Duh. And right. I guess caviar. That's Russian. Is caviar Russian? I believe caviar is Russian. I could be wrong. It's not French? Sounds like it would be French. Oh. I don't know and I don't care. Now it's going to bother me. You keep going. I'm going to look that up. <laughs> they settled just outside of Turtle Lake and had six daughters. Bertha, 12. Maria, 9. Edna, 7. Lydia, 5. Martha, 3. And Emma, 8 months. This was, of course, at the time of the murders. They did well for themselves as farmers and made enough money that they had hired a farmhand, 13-year-old Jacob Hofer, whose father was Beata's brother-in-law's brother, if that makes any sense. So, her sister's husband's brother's son. <laughs> His body was on top of the others at the bottom of the cellar steps. Authorities arrived and began their investigation as neighbors from all around started hearing the news and flocked to the scene. In the barn were the bodies of Jacob Wolf, 41, and two of his daughters, 10-year-old Maria and 8-year-old Edna. All of their bodies had been hastily covered with dirt and hay, and all had been killed with a shotgun. Caviar was originally harvested by Russian and Persian fishermen in the Cap Caspian Sea. The term refers to unfertilized salt-cured fish eggs from different species of sturgeon, including Acetra, Cerverga, and Beluga. Just about all 26 species of sturgeon have been used for caviar. Sturgeon. Sturgeon. Caviar. Russia. Duh. Good for you, hon. Damn, I'm smart. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jacob was shot once in the back from a distance, but had taken another shot to the side of his back at very close range, ripping three of his ribs from his spine. Maria and Edna were both shot once in the back of the head at close range, singeing their hair and skin from the gunpowder. It appeared that the girls had been killed in the barn, while Jacob had been shot outside of the barn and then dragged in. So what's that mean as far as events? 
Timeline. We'll get to the timeline here in just a little bit. In the kitchen, there was only one large pool of blood. A hatchet and bloody rags and overalls were found stashed in the kitchen. Yeah, rags. Because he was probably like, I gotta clean this up. And saw how much I was like, oh, fuck it. There's no mm-hmm. way. I'm gonna just put this in the sink. Exactly. I'm done. <laughs> it was thought that the overalls were Jacob's and the killer had used them to try to clean up the blood. And like you said, obviously he was like, uh, fuck this. I'm not going to be able to uh, do he, anything with all this. This dumbass brought seven rags. <laughs> all got so just like, oh God. And it's a farmhouse. So I'm sure it was like unfinished wood. There was probably no way Very you were going to get all that. that you're not going to get. It's like instantly up. stained. Yeah. I remember all, you know, all the times I've pissed and on, on wood. Anyway, so like he probably grabbed like their, his cover. I was like, maybe this will work. Maybe this will work. <laughs> like after the fifth <laughs> splinter. Cause it is. Ow. Fuck. He's like, oh, fuck you. I'm fucking done. Why are you pissing on so much wood, Billy? I get bored. I like the party. Oh. Judge what I do on a fucking party. Yeah, see what I did there? I like what you did there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in the cellar, there were five bodies. Beata, who was 35, who had been shot once in the back. Bertha, 13, who had one gunshot wound to the face, as well as hatchet wounds. Lydia, 6, who had gunshot wound behind her left ear and also had hatchet wounds. Martha, 3, who had been beaten with the broad side of the hatchet and bludgeoned to death. And, as I said before, Jacob Hofer, 13, who was on top of the rest of the bodies. He had a gunshot wound to the neck, which severed his jugular vein. Somebody was really upset. There was blood spatter on the walls of the cellar, which indicated that some of the murders had happened actually in the cellar. Because there was only one pool of blood in the kitchen, it was presumed that Hofer had been the only one shot in the kitchen and that his body had been dropped down into the cellar and on top of the other bodies after everyone was already dead. There were two small sets of footprints in the house that led to a window, believed to be those of Maria and Edna, which were the two girls that were found in the barn. Authorities speculated that the two had fled out of the window when the shooting began, running to the barn to try to hide in the hay. It was thought that the murders took place on Thursday the 22nd, two days before they were actually found. So Emma had been left in her crib in a house full of dead people without food or clean diapers for two days. Thankfully, she was just a little dehydrated and cold, and she ended up being raised by her aunt and uncle and lived a very long life. And that's the only little... Ray of sunshine in the story. It's rare to hear that from Erica. <laughs> I like to bring a silver lining every once in a while. I like you it. can't be the only one. Yeah, you won't bring another silver lining for another year. Probably not. There you go. Next season, you. guys. You just wait. <laughs> <laughs> the day the bodies were found and people started coming to the farm, a neighbor by the name of Henry Layer showed up and began doing the farming chores that needed tended to as he was a farmer himself and it was probably the only way he could help. He milked the cows, slept pigs, and other general farm work. One of Beata's brothers suggested that the chicken coop be checked for eggs. Layer went to check, and while he was searching for eggs, he came across some spent shotgun shells. Authorities would later claim that they had already searched there, and there weren't shells found at that time. So it was a real making a murderer vibe back in 1920. Yeah. You know. We already looked there, but then, you know, a week later we find this shit that's really important to the case, even though we already looked there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Police were suspicious of the fact that Layer spent almost the whole day at the farm and had happened to find some shotgun shells, 
so they started taking a closer look at him. 36-year-old Henry Lair was born Heinrich Lair in southern Russia in 1884. He immigrated to the U.S. with his parents when he was just two. He had gotten married in 1904 and had two kids, but the couple divorced seven years later and the children stayed with the mother. He remarried in 1912 to Lydia Brokowski Hinsman, a divorced woman from South Dakota who had a daughter that lived You had to throw that in there, didn't you? Yes, of course. That That was really good. The two settled into farming life near Turtle Lake and had five more children between them because they liked to have lots of fucking kids back in the 20s. Well, their, their power went out. They had to raise a bunch of kids to help with the farm. They didn't care. Oh, I'm sure they she... They didn't want all these kids other than to help with the farm. I'm sure she believed anything he said. <laughs> Why's that? Because he just wanted to get laid. <laughs> oh, come on, they can help. Yeah. So that's why you don't pull out. Um, it's it's an investment. Yeah. Who's going to take care of us later? Them. So let me bust one. <laughs> <laughs> Authorities... There went that silver fucking lining. Yeah. We switched places. Yeah. Authorities soon learned that there had been a falling out between Jacob Wolf and Henry Lair the previous November, about six months before the murders. One of Wolf's dogs got out and came onto the Lair property. The dog ended up biting one of Lair's cows and injured it. Lair confronted Wolf about it, expecting compensation. Wolf had kicked him off his property. And from all accounts, the two didn't really have any more quarrels after that. It was just kind of a one-time thing. Police thought that may have provided some motive if Lair was the murderer, but they didn't have any proof. They continued working the scene and found what they believed was the shotgun used in the murder in a pond just off of the Wolf property. Scores of people were questioned about the gun as they tried to determine who it belonged to, but no one in town recognized it. I could see that, though. I mean... You literally found a gun in a pond not far from where a murder happened. Mm-hmm. It's probably the gun that did it. But nobody could identify it as belonging to either the wolves yeah. or the lairs or anyone else. That doesn't mean it's not the gun. Pretty sure it's the gun. True, but they I'm, couldn't definitively ID it as belonging to someone. I'm willing to bet. And that'll be important later. Five dollars. That was the gun used. Five whole dollars. Mm-hmm. I'll do it right now. There's no way to prove it, hun, so you'll never win that bet or lose that bet. It's like Schrodinger's bet. <laughs> sure, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no one in town recognized the gun, but uh, authorities also noticed the phone line had been cut, which would appear to be an attempt to keep the family from being able to call for help. That's that horror movie shit. Yep. They spoke to a person who claimed that they had been talking to Beata on the phone around 10 a.m. on the day of the murders when the phone line went dead and they couldn't reach her after that. What do you think they said back then? Because we say, uh, you know, we talked on the phone, but like, what do you think they said? The telly? We, because they, well, they were well versed back then. Like We spoke at length on the This tele- is in the 1800s. The this is 1920. So they weren't that. Well, I'm sure it wasn't like, well, I talked into the metal cup. You know, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. You know, as weird as all this talk about, like, blood and guts and stuff on the floor, I could really go for a meatball sub. I could fuck up a meatball sub right now. Is there ever a time when you couldn't? Oh, my God. I love meatballs. Hot, 
dark balls in my mouth. Yep. All mm. right. Back to the story. Meat. We're done talking about meatballs. Meatballs. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, fuck, you're talking about. No, no. Okay, the, we're going to pause. The conversation is always open. We're going to pause subs. on the meatball conversation and get we'll, back to the murder. We'll talk about other shit. Yeah, but the conversation is never over. About meatball subs. This I'll epi- burn this, this house to the ground. This episode is not about meatballs. Every episode has an underlying meatballs theme to it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I want you to go through and rename all of the episodes, listeners, with something pertaining to meatballs. Find that underlying meatball okay. story yeah. that is We're, in there. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, were there cows on this farm? I'm sure there were. Yeah, dog bit one. Now you got to put it down. And now, make some fucking meatballs. No, they didn't yes. put the cow down. Oh, man, they could have gotten so many meatballs. <laughs> 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 They're fucking up. Okay. What a waste. So, yeah, like I said, someone said they'd been on the phone with Beata, and around 10 a.m., the phone line went dead. A neighbor also told authorities that they heard multiple gunshots around that same time. You know, there's always those people that, that want to be involved with the police that no the police went and started questioning everybody that lived around there uh, well, you and know, then they're like oh yeah now that you mention but, it yeah but for some reason there's always that need to feel like you need to help with an investigation when you have nothing to do with it did you did you hear anything that went, went on you know last tuesday no all right well thank you well now that you mentioned it officer i happen to have been conversing on the telly you know what I mean? They, they always had to. So you found what they would have said. You know, it was conversing weird. on the telly. It was weird because that day I spoke to her as I was eating meatballs, and my meatball was kind of undercooked. Write that down. <laughs> they always like want to be like involved. Where like we're even the cops. Like, yeah, sure, thanks, asshole. You just wasted my fucking time. <laughs> That day I made pancakes. One side was a little more brown than I liked. Does that help with your investigation? I hope it does. <laughs> okay, anyway, back to the actual investigation. Breakfast burritos were also awesome. All right. Thanks. Continue. Uh, so, That's yeah. That's my polite word for you. Erica, continue. <laughs> Phone line went dead. Yes, it's Erica Go. Get it right. Learn that shit. You know what's weird is I'm picturing it in my head like a horror movie. They're talking on the phone, probably with that thing up to their fucking face and that cone thing in their goddamn ear. Yeah, telephone. And you see, like, really. <laughs> yeah. And you see, like, I like re- how you describe an old fashioned phone as anything other than a, a telephone. That fucking thing with a wire. <laughs> they got to do the switches and the talking, things. You got that goddamn horn to your stupid face. <laughs> you got that other <laughs> stupid horn attached to your dumbass ear and you're talking. Like, Everybody mm. back then was just stupid, huh? And you're like, mm, me too, girl. And, <laughs> and, yeah, do you see my? Do you see what I post on Pinterest, girl? I don't know what Pinterest is. And then like outside, there's like there's like sewing scissors, like the the shears, like the the sharp ones that mm-hmm. are in horror movies, and it's just like clink. And you know, it's like the with, with the wire that's like stapled to the house, where you know they actually gotta get the blade in there and go clink. I don't know if they actually stapled them to the house back then. Well, you don't know. Nor do I care to learn. I, I bet, want to continue with the story. I bet that shotgun was the one that did it. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. 
the phone lines were cut and people heard gunshots around the same time, around 10 a.m. And it was a person talking to a person, probably both women talking to each other, right? And you know, women don't like each other. So what it boils down to is like, oh, yeah, that recipe. I have that recipe. It was a great recipe. Clink. And I was like, that bitch hung up on me. You know that's what she thought. You know that's what she thought. At first, it's like, that cunt fucking hung up on me. So, yeah, these people heard these gunshots, but they didn't think to check on it as it was kind of common back in those days in rural areas and on farms to hear gunshots from people hunting or putting down sick farm animals. I guess you got to like you got to scare off coyotes or wolves or something like that. Sure. Exactly. Or people from North Dakota. (laughs) (laughs) One neighbor. Get off my land, eh? I sounded Canadian just then. Yeah, you did. I didn't like where I went with that. But they're pretty close. Actually, they are. yeah. Yeah. Not too far off. One neighbor stated that they had seen Bertha Wolf, the wolf's 13-year-old daughter, and Jacob Hofer, the 13-year-old hired farmhand. Screaming for help and covered in blood. <laughs> no. And they were like, ah! They'd been seen outside on the property around 11.30 a.m., about an hour and a half after the phone went dead and the gunshots were heard. And both of them still had gloves on when they were shot, which implies that they had just come in from doing work outside. That's what you do on a farm always. It yeah, never they stops. still had their work gloves on. Always working. If the shots heard at 10 a.m. were when the murder started and Bertha and Hofer were seen alive around 11.30 a.m., then the murderer had to have killed everyone except the two 13-year-olds first and only killed them when they returned to the house at least an hour and a half later. So that would mean like the both of them were like... Ah, Paul's trying to scare off a wolf again. So, was the killer deliberately waiting on them? Could the killer have been using that time to poorly attempt cleanup in what they saw in the kitchen, you know, where you're not going to get the fucking blood out of the floor? He tried to dexter that shit and (laughs) it just went haphazard on him. And, you know, were they in the middle of doing that and the two walked in and caught him? What the F? And why didn't the murderer kill baby Emma? Surely with a shotgun going off multiple times, she would have woken up and most likely started crying. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, how far is that cry going to go? They didn't know the baby was crying that day when they walked up on the house, so they got up on the house and heard. But why leave her alive if it's assumed that she probably would have been awake and or crying? She's a baby. You don't kill babies. Some people do. As a general rule of thumb, just don't kill people. But babies, <laughs> you don't kill them. And speaking of the shotgun, it was a double barrel. At least eight rounds were used, judging by the wounds found on the bodies. That meant the killer would have had to reload at least three times, so the murders were very deliberate. After a couple of weeks with no clear leads other than the mere suspicion of Henry Lair. What's funny is like, not funny, but like he, he, you know, he did all this stuff, you know, and he's looking out and he sees that girl and that guy out there just working. He's like, fucking dumbasses don't even know. (laughs) Oh man. Wow. Wow. They're, they're picking up hay. I just killed everybody. They're picking up hay. They're really good at picking up hay. That's why they're wearing gloves. (laughs) Oh, wow. Cool. Life hack. And they're coming. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> so, yeah, they didn't really have any leads. And Governor Lynn Frazier was coming under intense fire for authorities still not finding the mass murderer. Yeah, people do want answers. The Attorney General, William Langer, 
used this as an opportunity to try to get some brownie points with the public as he was going up against Fraser for the governorship. If he could get the case solved, he would be looked at in a very favorable light before election time. So he sent a special team in to investigate the case and made it very publicly known that he was doing so. They immediately tried to zero in on Henry Lair. This is the first time in a campaign the word bitch was used. Look at our current governor. This bitch can't even find anybody that shot the whole farm. (laughs) I'm on it. I'm your man. Vote for me. I'm Frank. I don't know what I forget what his name is. Frank. William William Langer. (gasps) Ooh, that's my name. (laughs) You forgot his name, and it's your name. Vote for me, Billy. Billy. I ain't that bitch. (laughs) 2020. (laughs) On May 11th, the authorities picked Lair up to take him to the sheriff's office for questioning. Oh, May 11th. You know whose birthday that is? No. Me either. Okay. It's somebody's. Somebody's, somebody's, yeah. Happy birthday! If you happen to be listening to this on May 11th. If you happen to listen on May 11th, somewhere in the future. And if you're listening to it today. It's not your birthday. uh, Fucking don't take that. Whoa. Mm -mm. No. That's not your happy birthday to have. Whoa, I was going somewhere else with it. Okay. If you're just listening to this episode and it's your birthday, happy birthday. And that's from me, not that hateful bitch across from me. What is wrong with you? I was just talking about the May 11th people. Wow. If it's not May 11th, it's not your birthday. Whoa. Just for you guys. The rest of you, happy birthday. No party. <laughs> Party's over. God damn. <laughs> so, yeah, they picked Lair up to take him to the sheriff's office for questioning. And this is from an affidavit that Lair later gave on August 10th. I didn't do it. Whose birthday <laughs> is that? On what? August 10th. Hey, that's me. Billy's birthday. It's already passed, so. William Snuggle Bunny Cumshot Jones. Oh, wow. You're adding that one in, huh? I told you my middle name was Cumshot. He did tell me that. That's Uh, all I'm going to say about it. It has nothing to do with us having sex. It's just, I don't know why. It's like, you know, everybody says, like, danger's my middle name. Like, yeah, Cumshot's my middle name. They're like, what? He said that in front of our 15-year-old. Just. It was funny. When it comes out, it comes out. I'm glad you guys found it humorous. When it comes out, it comes out. Not the cum shot. Well, that too. But... <laughs> yeah, that too. If I don't say it, I'll forget. <laughs> All right. So here's what it said in this affidavit from August 10th. On the way, they captured and took along a man who I thought was an escaped convict to Washburn, where they put both I and the convict in jail... In talking with this convict, he told me that he had a saw and file in his shoe and could escape whenever he pleased. This I refused to do. We were both in jail all that night and the following day, which was May 12th. The man who was in jail with me frequently asked me why I was there, but I told him that I was there for nothing. Well, I mean, if he's innocent. Exactly. What are you in for? I'm in here for that bullshit. That's what I'm in here for. What would later be revealed that this quote-unquote criminal that the police picked up was actually a private investigator that they deliberately put in a cell with Lair in order to question him and hopefully get him to confess. Oh, that's dirty. And and he didn't give him shit to what he in for. I'm in here for the five-star goddamn breakfast. That's what I'm fucking in here for. (laughs) I like wearing blue with a number on it. I think it's fucking great. At my jail, it's khaki. 
khakis are fun and soothing. <laughs> when that didn't work... <laughs> I the, made myself laugh on that one. The police began questioning Lair the next day. Oddly, he gave a confession that detailed the murders in their entirety. According to the confession, Lair had gone to the wolf farm around noon on the day of the murders to confront Jacob again about his cow that had been injured six months prior, I remind you, and demanded compensation. Jacob told Lair to leave, and when Lair didn't, Jacob went back inside, grabbed his double-barrel shotgun, and put two shells in. The two struggled for the gun in the kitchen, accidentally discharging it twice. The first shot hit Beata in the back, and the second hit Hofer, the young farmhand, in the neck. Well, at this point, you're all the way in. Yeah. Wolf then fled outside towards the barn and Lair reached into a dresser drawer and got more shells, reloading reloading the gun as he pursued Wolf. He you shot him. sounded like one of the Californians. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want to see something really funny, go look up Saturday Night Live, The Californians. It's fucking gold. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Got okay. off the 405, took Bel Air. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so he somehow went to this dresser and found more shells, reloaded, and pursued Wolf outside. He shot him once in the back from a far distance, and Wolf dropped but wasn't dead. Well, I mean, so... okay, so that. It's a shotgun. Mm-hmm. It's a scatter gun. I mean, it's like. It, it depends on what kind of shot's in it. Uh, maybe, like. Is it a slug or is it buckshot? There's that. And the gauge itself. I would like to think the higher the gauge, the larger the spread. I could be wrong. I'm sure there's some... It depends how far from a distance he was shooting him, too. Yeah, but... But this is all from this supposed confession that will come into question later. I mean, but technically, if you're far enough away, you can get shot by a shotgun and just get pissed off. Mm Mm-hmm. Marcus Parks from Last Podcast on the Left. Oh, was he? Mm Mm-hmm. As a child on his farm. It happens. So, he supposedly shot him at this far distance and Wolf wasn't dead when he dropped. So, Lair walked up and fired into the side of his back at close range. Now, that'll do it. Maria and Edna, whose footprints were later seen leading to the window in the house, ran by screaming towards the barn. Lair reloaded as he headed towards the barn and found the girls hiding in the hay and shot them both in the backs of their heads at very close range. I'm... I'm... I'm sorry, uh, this is over a cow. Supposedly. Okay, okay. Six months earlier, a not, cow. Not buying this confession? A dog um, bit a cow, so let's go slaughter the whole family. You could make meatballs Yeah. out of the family. Let's continue with this quote-unquote confession. I mean, if you wanted to, you'd have to simmer it for a while like in a crock pot. Yeah, we're not... The meatball talk is not... The focus of the story, hon. You can have your underlying meatball whatever. I'm just saying, maybe add balsamic vinegar to it while it's cooking. It'll make it more savory. Go. Just go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, yeah, I'm going. I'm going. So. I want to incorporate meatballs and grilled cheese. Okay, go. That might be good. Uh, yeah, now that I think about it, I'm really excited about this opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what we're eating tomorrow. <laughs> I think I just did something. I took a say like, holy fuck, yeah. 
Ah. You're like instead of like regular butter, you you got garlic butter, and then you can look down at it and be like, "What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> You're grilled cheese." Weird, <laughs> 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 Trevor. <laughs> I love that skit so much. Okay, back to the story. Off of the meatballs. Uh, you keep talking. I'm just going to think about Yeah, this you think about list. your meatballs it, over there. I'm going to keep going. I got to slow cook the sauce. So, Lair shot the two little girls in the back of their head. Billy. Veal's young. The three remaining girls were screaming in the house, and I'm the fucked up one, really? So, Lair headed back inside, reloading again. He shot Bertha in the face and Lydia behind the left ear, then took the hatchet to them. Well, her name's Bertha. Oh, oh, you're deciding to join in this wonderful extravaganza of murder. Well, that brought me back. Oh, okay. Bertha's dead. That's usually like the most commonly said thing in the world. Took a hatchet to him. Now, that part's weird. After shooting him. Sorry, Bertha. Three Bye, year- Bertha. Three-year-old Martha was then bludgeoned to death with the hatchet's uh, broadside. Why the broadside? He couldn't bring himself to use the blade. Don't know. I would say use the blade. It's quicker. Layer took the bodies in the kitchen and dumped them into the cellar. He then dragged Wolf's body into the barn and laid him next to his daughters, covering them with dirt and hay. He stated the only reason he didn't kill baby Emma was simply because he didn't know she was there. Wah! Wah! You ain't gonna pick up on that shit? Yeah. So getting a confession seemed like a slam dunk. Somebody's going to be governor. And the prosecutor got Lair to plead guilty. He was quickly sentenced to life in prison with hard labor and began serving his sentence on May 23rd. This kind of is making a murderer, really. The case was solved. Can I watch wrestling? The town could finally rest. And the attorney general got his publicity as he had come to the rescue with his team of investigators. Sounds good, right? Good for him. He put the work in. Was it right work or wrong work? We don't know. But damn it, he put forth the effort. Hats off to you. Yeah, not so fast. It says low life on my hat. Let's take a closer look at the confession and the many problems with it. They beat him down with a phone book so it wouldn't leave bruises until he said what they wanted to say. You think they had phone books back then? Um... Hey, asshole, they had phones. <laughs> it was a phone pamphlet. It was probably like five people But you people had to had say, it. hey, I want so-and-so at so-and-so, and someone would have to, like, switchboard. Maybe they had phone books? Do I don't think, know. I don't do you, care. Do That's think, not part of the you, story. Do you think the first phone book was actually a cheat sheet the operator just had? Maybe. Uh, Anderson to two. They call a lot. Real asshole, like in parentheses. And that was the birth of the Yellow Pages. And Maybe. now we have the yellow pages because there was one operator that was just really fucking tired of it and was it really. Sounds like my contacts list. Really on her P's and Q's. Put them in parentheses, real bitch. You do that? <laughs> no, I don't, but. No. It'd be good. It would be good. I had one person saved under my contacts as probably calling in. <laughs> they quit. Hey, if you're looking for a new job, just come down to Muncie Liquors. 801 North Wheeling and Riverside. Muncie, Indiana. Try not to quit before two weeks is up. I had one person quit while being hired. During the hiring process where you got to fill out your tax shit. Uh Uh-huh. They were like, no, and fucking quit. So they technically weren't hired yet then. God God knows we were trying. (laughs) Fuck. That's a different discussion for a different day, but 
I'm very fucking irate right now about that. Okay. Back to dead people. Let's get back to this confession. Do it. Firstly, damn it. (laughs) Don't hold back, Billy. Tell us how you really feel. I will. No, just. No, because last time you did, we went on 10 minutes for, like, just do meatballs. It. And... Just do it. Well, we could always talk about meatballs. Do you want to talk about meatballs? We can no. do that. No. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No more meatballs. Okay, maybe fried chicken. No. So, firstly, why in the hell would Lair confront Wolf again about his injured cow six months after their initial spat with no noted issues since then? By now, the cow's healed. The cow was healed, and it was sold for a good price not long after Lair was arrested, so there weren't any obvious long-term effects from the dog bite. You think when the cow was sold... The dog nipped it. You think when the cow was sold, like, there was that sticker on the side of it, it's like, as is. (laughs) No warranty. (laughs) And would a dog biting your cow anger you so much six months later that you would kill eight people... Six of those children. Well, okay. Here's what I gotta say. Maybe that day he stubbed his toe and then had a paper cut. He tried to make a phone call. The operator fucked it up. And then he was like, hey, you know what? I'm still kind of pissed off about that cow. And he was like, your mom sucks dick for beer money. He was like, all right, goddammit, that's it. And then he just murdered everybody. That could have happened. None of that is a good reason to kill a bunch of kids. No, but I get the whole thing. Or even adults. Snapped. It's a show. Was a show. Maybe he was like, that's it! <laughs> and then he fucking did this. Well, let's look at the rest of the confession. Pretty sure that shotgun they found in the pond was the one that did it. Second, Layer <laughs> said he went to the house shortly before noon and he walked over to the property. A neighbor who saw the two 13-year-olds outside around the same time didn't see Layer. Did they have gloves on? The 13-year-olds? That was a big deal. I'm sure they did because they were outside doing the work in the farm. If you worked on a farm back then and you were a female, did you have stuff to wear a dress? Probably. You think so? Oh, that sucks. Oh, that's good for ventilation, though, man. Unless they've got, like, 15 petticoats on like they used to wear. I don't think you would do that for farm work. I don't know. That's not the point. I'm just saying. (laughs) So, they see these kids outside working on the farm, but no one sees Lair walking over to the property. The wolves owned two herding dogs, and no one reported any barking around that time. And the initial shots were heard around 10 a.m., around the same time the phone line was cut. Not noon. Who the fuck is awake at 10 a.m.? Oh, I am. Yeah. Yeah, me too. You too, yeah. Kids, too. I've already been at work for four hours by then. So, I wouldn't think anyone in the household would cut their own phone line, so it most likely was the murderer. So, if Lair is the murderer, and we assume that he cut the phone line, he would have had to have been there around 10 a.m., not noon. And that would show some type of premeditation, like he knew he was going to harm them and didn't want anyone calling out. That doesn't exactly jibe with him risking going there unarmed, only to wrestle a gun away from Wolf, a gun that he couldn't have known Wolf would even grab and risk getting shot himself. Unless Wolf saw him and was like, this motherfucker's going to come up here talking about his goddamn cow again. Next, where Lair says each victim was killed and when do not match the blood evidence at the scene. He claimed that the first two accidental shots struck both Beata and the farmhand in the kitchen. 
He also claims that when he went back into the kitchen after killing Wolf and his two daughters by the the barn and killed the other three girls in the house, only one pool of blood was found in the kitchen, not five, and there wasn't much blood spatter. But blood spatter was found all over the walls of the cellar, indicating that some of the victims were killed down in the cellar and probably the girls that were hit with the hatchet, if no one else. I think if you ever move into a house and they say it comes with a cellar, rest assured there were dead bodies there at some point. Well, since the farmhand's body was on top of the stack, it only made sense that he was killed in the kitchen and his body dumped down on top of the deceased females in the cellar. Let's take a look at Maria and Edna, whose footprints were seen leading to the window. In the confession, Layer said they ran past him into the barn screaming as he was shooting at Wolf. If Lair was outside with the gun and they were inside, why would they jump out of the window and run towards where the man with the gun is? It would make sense for them to jump out of the window when the gunman is in the house in order to get away from him, not run outside into his field of vision. Yeah, I thought that was kind of weird too when you said it. Like They're like, ah! Ah, He's (laughs) shooting! Ah, you're going the wrong way. And, of course, there is the question of baby Emma. Lair said he didn't know she was there. Most parents are aware that when a baby is sleeping, you can just stub your toe pretty hard in the next room and most babies will wake up. You know Shotguns f- are loud. You know what I found woke up babies? You ready? What? I know this is personal experience. <laughs> that. <laughs> that. A sniff. That'll do it. Yeah, so shotguns are loud, and even if shots going off in the cellar are muffled, or the barn is far enough away to lessen the sound, there is still at least one person shot in the kitchen, as evidenced by the blood pool. But you said yourself, I mean, shots are pretty common on a farm. The baby just might be desensitized to it. But neighbors hundreds of yards away heard the shots. I'm not saying the baby didn't hear it. None of those shots woke up the baby? Well, the baby probably hears it all the time. Could be, but a sound of that magnitude would not only wake the baby up, would probably scare them awake, and they would be screaming okay. if it's that close to them inside a house. Maybe, yeah. Because I don't think they're just taking shots inside the house all willy-nilly, and the baby's used to that. I mean, that's loud. I'm just contemplating the what-ifs. Whoever committed the murders knew that baby was there, but didn't kill her for some reason. Well, shortly after being sent to prison, Lair recanted everything and claimed that he was pressured into confessing. Now, here's a little more from the affidavit I read part of earlier. After supper on May 12th, I was taken to the sheriff's office and questioned and shown pictures of the murder scene. They kept up the questioning until about 2.30 a.m., at which time the sheriff, Martinson, and a gray-haired heavyset man who I'm believed to be a railroad detective took turns at questioning me. Fuck's a railroad detective got to do with anything? I don't know. Okay. He got something to do with it. It was by a railroad. It's in his jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. Stand down. I don't know. They repeatedly told me that there was a mob outside and that my only chance of saving my life from being strung up on a telephone pole was to make a confession and have them get me out of Washburn. They cursed me, took my chair away from me, and made me stand until I was dizzy and faint. All this time, I maintained that I was innocent and that I knew nothing of the murder. Finally, the man that I thought was the railroad detective beat me along the side of my head and took me by the hair and pulled me, 
after which he sat down across the table from me and related to me just how the murder happened and told me what I would have to say. Then he got up and shook a billy club on my face and told me that if I would not say what he wanted, he would beat my brains out. I then gave up, started to cry, and said that I would do and say what they wanted. Martinson and the sheriff called in a large, tall man who wrote down the story that I was compelled to tell. Whenever what I said did not suit this man who I thought was the detective, he would stop me and tell me what to say. They next called in Williams, state's attorney, and made me tell the same story to him as nearly as I could remember. The detective still kept correcting me and forcing me to say what he wanted. After this, I asked to send for my wife or Will Burkowski, but they would not let me. The next morning, I was taken before a magistrate but was told before they took me out of jail that I must stick to the story that they had told me the night before and that my only chance to save my life and get away from Washburn was to stick to that story and not ask anyone for an attorney or for a trial. After leaving the magistrate's office, I was taken back to jail for a few minutes and then again taken out and rushed down through the basement of the courthouse and up to where Judge Newsell was on the way over. The sheriff told me to run and going between the jail and the courthouse in order that no one would see me for there was a mob in town who would get me if they could. When I was taken before Judge Newsell, I again told the same story that I had been told the night before, believing that if I did not, it would cause me to be kept in Washburn where I was afraid of being hung by a mob or being killed in the jail by the men who beat me the night before. I further state that I never owned a double barrel shotgun and that I never saw the gun that was found in the slough near the Wolf home until after I was placed in jail, end quote. A prison doctor and a prison barber would later submit affidavits attesting to injuries found on Lair. The barber wrote, quote, The day after the said Henry Lair arrived at the penitentiary, this affiant shaved the said Henry Lair and gave him a haircut. That was when this affiant went to work on him. He noticed that said Henry Lair was badly beat up and that both sides of his face and the top of his head were swollen and it looked as if someone had beat him. The skin was not broken, but was bruised and swollen. As he got into the barber chair, this affiant noticed that he had been beaten and asked him what had been done. Lair replied that he had been hit over the head by the man who had charge of him before he was brought to the penitentiary and he broke down and commenced crying, saying that he was innocent and crying, Oh, my children, my children. The doctor wrote, There were two areas of ecchymosis on his face, one over each cheekbone, about the size of a silver dollar, which What's... is like an area of reddening. Oh, okay. Despite Layer's repeated claims of innocence, the affidavits providing evidence of Layer being strong-armed, and his wife corroborating his alibi for the day of the murders, Layer was never set free. He and his wife divorced in 1922, and he would die in 1925, less than five years after the murders. He had had surgery for appendicitis and died due to post-surgery complications. Appendicitis. It'll get you. Mm-hmm. So there's tuberculosis in the 20s. Yep. So do you think Lair did it, or was he an easy scapegoat for an ambitious attorney general pining to be governor? Let us know on social media. You know where to find us. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Martinis and the Macabre. And we also have a fan page on Facebook called Friends Who Like Martinis and the Macabre. You can also follow us on Twitter at Martini underscore Macabre. And feel free to post and tweet whatever you like from funny to morbid. And please share. That's the easiest and totally free way to help us out just by spreading the word. 
If you want to go a step further, then please get on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you can leave a rating and a review, and hopefully it will be a positive one. And don't forget, if you send us a snapshot of your review, we will send you a sticker. And if you've already left a review but haven't sent us a pic, you can still do that and get a sticker, even if the review is two years old. We'll still hook you up. Yeah. And if it's a bad review, that's okay. I'm, I'm used to bad reviews. I'm willing to accept bad reviews. Here's the thing. It's a give and take. If you're willing to leave a horrible review for us, be willing for me to make fun of you and on an episode. Listen to a whole episode before you leave a review and not just and our that, ad. That's not a threat. I'm just <laughs> saying what's going to happen next yeah. is you're going to leave a bad review and then I'm going to mock you. Probably through the entire fucking episode. We won't call you out by name. No, I wouldn't. But it'll be there. But we're going to talk about it. We've done it many times. You guys may not have caught on to that, but we have. Mm -hmm. We pepper it in. (laughs) And if. Listening, you fuck faces. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to go balls to the wall and financially support the show, you can make a one time donation to the amount of your choosing via our PayPal link at the bottom of our website, martinisandthemacabre.com. Or you can set up a pledge for monthly donations through our Patreon at patreon.com slash martinis and the macabre. Even a dollar a month is a huge help, so don't even think that it's not worth it to only give a dollar. When enough people donate those dollars, it adds up. Every single cent is appreciated. Thank you to all of our patrons, past and present, and to new patrons... Or patrons up their pledge. We haven't forgotten you. We mailed off packets this week. Hopefully you've gotten them by now. It just took us a while because Billy had to make some keychains. But I did it. But he did it. But we got them out. It's just been busy this month with back to school. We had Billy's birthday and then Noah's birthday. And the Billy's younger sister just had a baby this and past then, week. And then this and past weekend was... Her other daughter's... Yeah, her other daughter's birthday party. Yeah. It's been... August is a very, very August busy is very busy for, for us. us. <laughs> so please forgive us, and hopefully you will have received your packets by the time this airs, unless you're in Great Britain. Sorry, Joe. Uh, and our thanks to all of our current patrons. Kirsten, of course, our baller, yo. Got a yo. place in our heart. Bender, Bonnie, Bridget, Caroline, Chelsea, Christina, Cooper, Corina, Corey, Donald, Dylan, Belfast, Grace, Harleen, Jennifer, Kate, Christy, Kristen, Lady Danger, Marie Maxime, Molly, Monica, Sue, Vanessa, and Veronica. You awesome snuggle bunnies have our undying love. Kisses. Be sure to listen until the end for another song from our amazing song, Minimus Noah. You can find all of his tracks that we've used under the music tab on our website, martinisandthemacabre.com, as well as links to his two album releases, some bio info on us, and a complete episode catalog that you can binge, as well as a contact page. And I think that about covers it. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, Snuggle Bunnies, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye! Bye-bye! My middle name is Cumshot.
I'm just out of chicken. Chicken. Now that's going at the end of the episode. I keep changing my mind. You're throwing so much gold at me, Billy. There's no visual for that one. People will just be confused. Yeah. Okay. All the more reason. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>